Let us pray. Father, I just pray that you would come and fill me with your Holy Spirit. Fill this place. Continue to fill this place with your spirit, Lord, that the words that I would say would be from you and would flow from me into the hearts and minds of everyone here. God, that you would take take these words and this message and apply it to our hearts that we might live our lives for you, live closer to you, know you better, walk with you better um, and 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 serve you in this world around us that so desperately needs you. So just come, Holy Spirit, we offer this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. Well, as you can see on the screen, that's, um, I'm the Reverend Mark Eldridge. And if you weren't here at the beginning of the service, I'm uh, not the normal priest here. I'm filling in for Father Brooke. Uh, and, and if you, you may have known, I don't know who, who knew what, but um, uh, I was going to fill in today to celebrate with Sean uh, Price, right? Price is um, filling in. I was going to preach today, so if you were looking forward to hearing him, as I was, um, actually, uh, uh, I'm sorry. Unfortunately, he was not able to uh, be here uh, because of COVID, and I think they're fine, right, Dory? Okay, Dory will give a report. But anyway, so I'm just saying, if you were expecting to hear Sean, I, I, I too am disappointed because I was looking forward to hearing him. But I'll do the best I can uh, filling in. Uh, have you noticed that, um, you probably have noticed this, that there has been uh, a fair amount of hostility in uh, the world in our times, in our days. There's been a, a lot of hostility between people groups and groups of people and this group versus that group. Uh, it's, 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 and it seems to be getting worse. In fact, there's many people uh, that uh, are in favor of and promoting hostility between people groups and saying, well, this group versus this group and this group, but actively sort of promoting that kind of division and hostility among groups, which if you understand the worldview that people who are doing that are coming from, it makes perfect sense. Uh, But so there's a lot of hostility and hostility among peoples is nothing new. Of course, it seems it seems worse again in my lifetime now than it has in other parts of my lifetime. But uh, but it's nothing new in the sense of there's been hostility and division among people. I mean, you can go back to Cain and Abel, the first two sons in in the beginning of Genesis. There was obviously division between them, Cain killing Abel. So that's been uh, it's been a long around time. Why am I the reason I'm bringing up this this uh, hostility, this division, this tension and conflict between people groups today is because the Ephesians reading, which we just heard read, the, the uh, epistle reading from this morning from our from our uh, lectionary in it, Paul addresses this very issue of hostility between people, between groups of people and not just addresses it, but talks about God's purpose and plan and ending hostility between groups of people. And, and so I want to look at that this morning. I want to unpack that a little bit and look at how uh, what is God's plan to end the hostility uh, and divisions among people groups because it's applicable for our day. And then even more importantly, how can we as Christians participate in God's plan to end that hostility? So I want to start by uh, as we get into this uh, is it, before I dig into the, the the verses and the passage itself, I want to start by talking about just the concept of worldview I mentioned a minute ago, because uh, if you understand worldview uh, and, and what a worldview is, it'll help understand sort of the hostilities that are out there. And also this passage, because in this passage, Paul outlines the, the Christian or the biblical worldview that has direct impact on ending of hostilities between people groups. 
And again, so I'm, I'm not a, being a guest. I'm not sure how familiar you are with worldview. And some of you might this may be a review. And for some, though, if you're new or new to new to Christianity, you might be like, I, I've really not thought about that much. So so basically, what's a worldview? Everyone has a worldview. Everyone, everyone, every human being has a, a worldview. It's a it's a view of the world. It's how I how one looks at and understands the world around them. And a worldview answers certain basic questions that that every every human being asks and needs an answer for and it always starts with god is there a god uh and if if there is a god who is god uh so that it's a worldview starts there and then it then it uh, asks and answers the question well where do we come from because that's a it's important where where do we come from where do humans come from uh and then and then once you answer that and have an answer for that then you got to look at well what's the problem with humans because clearly there's problems Everyone just doesn't get along. And there's all, obviously so. So there's a, something wrong with the world. So what's what's wrong with the world? And then and then from there, you, what's the solution or what's the, the way to fix what's wrong with the world? And it just sort of goes on and on and on down the line. Um, and every worldview asks and answers those basic questions. And Christianity, the Bible, uh, we, we know it to be true, but it is, in fact, a complete worldview that asks and answers all those questions. The thing with the worldview, the way the best way I understand it the, that I learned was was thinking about it in terms of like a button up shirt. So if you have a, a button up shirt of some sort, um, the, the, the important thing with a worldview is you got to like a button up shirt. You got to get the top button right. If you if you if you get the top button right, then every other button as you button the shirt lines up correctly. If you get the top button wrong and that you that's that's off. Then as you go down and ask and answer everyone, every other button is is off. It does. It doesn't line up. And so so every other worldview out there other than Christianity starts with the wrong top button, uh, which is who is God. And then and then therefore it's where do we come from is wrong. Uh, what's wrong with humanity is wrong. What's the solution to the problems wrong on and on and on and on and on. Uh, whereas Christianity, where we we know because we know it to be true, is that it starts with the right definition of God and therefore everything lines up. Well, and again, if you understand that, when you think about and I won't go too long on this, um, but but some of the problems and hostilities, there's why would somebody want to promote divisions uh, among among human beings? Well, if your worldview is that there is no God. Um, and and where we came from was something like, I don't know, we just evolved from primordial ooze into these complex beings, which as an aside is just completely illogical. The, the, the mathematical complexity of of the human makeup um, is so vast, it takes more faith to believe we just accidentally came into being than there was a creator who created us. But anyway, but that's an aside. But if we, if we just sort of got here, then what's the problem? Well, then some people in a worldview, their worldview is the problem is that some people are oppressors and other people are oppressees. And the big problem, that's that's the whole problem. And if you're either an oppressor or an oppressee, and if that if you're an oppressee, if you're someone who's oppressed, the solution to that problem is to overcome. you got to they're, they're the bad ones. We're the good ones. And we've got to overcome the bad ones and therefore, you know, become become the then you become the oppressor. Turns out because, again, it just falls apart. It's illogical. It doesn't make any sense. It's an it's, it's a worldview that's off. But to them, it makes sense. So the point is that you have to have divisions among people groups. If that's your worldview, there's no other way to look at it. So so it just makes sense. Well, so let's get into what's what's God's view uh, uh, and God's 
purpose and uh, the truth about ending hostility because it addresses the real problems with human beings and um, uh, and how that how that can end end the hostilities. So let's look at the passage here. And again, I'll kind of I'll walk through how this outlays a true worldview. So in, in the passage, Ephesians two, starting at verse 11, it says this. I'll read a couple of verses and then talk about it. It says, therefore, remember that formerly you who were Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves the circumcision, which is done in the body by human hands. Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in heaven and foreigners to the covenants of the promise without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. So in the passage, you see there's two groups. There's the there's the the Gentiles and there's the Jews. And and, then what Paul was addressing, which was how they understood uh, people in the world was there's there were there was just two groups. There was the Jews who had the covenants, who had the law, who had the promises of God, were called by God and everyone else, which is the Gentiles. And everyone else was in another group, which is pagan, with, as, as it just described here, without God, you're far from God. Absent from the promises and the covenants without hope and without God in the world. And if you are without God in the world, you are without hope. That's a bad place to be. But so there's these two groups that were uh, with hostility between them, between each other. And so I was addressing that. Uh, and you speaking to the Gentiles were formerly part of this other group that was far from God. And, and so, so there, there's the division that we're addressing. Uh, then, the, but notice the first word in that passage, starting with verse 11, was therefore. And I'm sure you've heard this before, but whenever, wherever there's a therefore in the Bible, you need to know what what it's there for. You know, what's it addressing? So it means you've got to go back and what what is this referring to? So therefore, we're talking about this based on what we just said, what Paul just said. So so backing up just a, a, a couple verses, what is it therefore referring to? It says here, this is that famous passage, which I'm sure you all uh, know or have heard, which is Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, which, or 8 through 10, which says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We're saved by grace through faith, not by works, um, so that no one can boast. So in that, so, so based on that, therefore, we've got these two groups and we're going to talk, continue to t- talk about how there can now be uh, an end to hostility between them. But, but he's pointing out we're, we're all saved by grace through faith. No, no one's no one's saved by any other means. But notice in verse 10, uh, you don't have it in front of you unless you have your Bible out. But it says, um, for, for we are it, there's some assumptions about worldview in here. For we are God's handiwork. All people, all human beings are the handiwork of God. God created every human being was created by God. There is a God who existed outside of everything who created human beings. There's a creator. We are made with a handiwork made, created by God. And that's not just true of Jews or some people. It's true of all human beings. So we're all created by God. And then we're all um, uh, there is a God, first of all, who created and we're all 
created by God, and then we're all equally separated by God from sin. That's the problem. All of us, whether you're, you're Jews who had the law and who had all these promises and knew the promises, they, they were sinners just as much as the Gentile was sinners. Just because they had the law and had all the promises didn't mean that the law and, and the ability to follow the law somehow made them saved and into a right relationship with God. They needed to be saved by grace through faith just as much as anybody else, just as much as a, as a Gentile, a pagan, someone without God and without hope in the world who is a complete... Uh, lived a complete debauchery and knew, not, knew nothing of the covenant and the laws, right? All are equally in need of being saved and all are equally in need of being saved by grace through faith alone, not by works. And I said, well, I'm saved because I was such a good person or I went to church every Sunday or I, I followed the Ten Commandments. No, I'm saved by grace. And you who are a mess and knew nothing about it, you're saved by we're all equal. There's nobody who's different. We're all equally made by God. We're all equally separated by God from sin. We're all equally in need of salvation, which is only through Christ alone. And we're all equally saved by grace through faith. So there's really no need for this division. Which leads to, which leads to the first point I want to make today, which is, which is where does the, 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 the peace come from? Where does the hostility end? Uh, and so the, my point is that world peace comes through Christ alone. That's God's plan. Let's continue in the passage. So, so, so he goes, therefore, based on this, you, you have these two groups, um, but we're all saved by grace through faith. We're all equal in that sense. Verse 14, he picks up, he says, for he, listen to this, for he himself, Jesus, is our peace, who has made the, who has made the two groups, who are divided, uh, one, and has destroyed the barrier by dividing uh, the, the dividing wall of hostility, he's destroyed that by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them to both of them to God through the cross. By which to put to death their hostility. Do you catch that? Let me read that again. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two. No more division. And again, we're just talking about two groups at this point. So this could apply to all different groups. Race, gender, sex, uh, color, economic status, all these different. And it's applied one new humanity out of these groups, thus making peace. And in one body to reconcile both of them, all of them to God through the cross, which by which he put to death their hostility. There's no need for hostility because we're all equal in our in, in this need for salvation and coming together as one in in God through the cross, through Jesus. And it says he came to preach peace to those who were far away and peace to those who were near, meaning those who did nothing, knew nothing about God, the Gentiles and those who were near, who had the commands and had the, the law. The, who are near the Jews for through him, we both all have access to the father by the one spirit. So whether again, no matter who you are, what your group, you, we all come together and we all have the same access to the father through this one way, which is through Jesus Christ and his death and resurrection on the cross. So again, and it was God's purpose, God's plan, God's solution uh, to the division, to the hostility between groups of people. To make us one in Christ. That we're, again, I'm repeating myself, but we're all made by God. We're, we're, that all people are separated from God by sin. That God loves all people. 
that we all have the same access to the Father through the cross. And those who believe are all filled with the same Holy Spirit of God. And we can all belong to the one family called his body, the church. So his solution to the hostilities is the church. Is the church being this one body which all people can come into, be in a right relationship with the Father through Christ, and then belong together and live together in this thing called the world. No more division, no more hostility. And wouldn't that be great if every person on the planet was a Christian who knew Jesus, who loved the Father, who was filled with the same Holy Spirit of God, and we belonged together in local churches where we all actually practiced loving God and loving one another the way he intends it? Well, there'd be a lot less hostility in the world. Well, uh, and in fact, this can be summarized in what I'm talking about is the kingdom of God. I mean, this is the kingdom of God. The good news in the beginning of Mark's gospel, Jesus said, I've come to preach, repent and believe the good news. The kingdom of God is at hand. That is the good news. This kingdom of God is now here. Not just that we get to be, go to heaven when we die. Um, which is really good news. But the good news is we have this kingdom of God that we can now live a part of and belong to. And, and you know, have this what we just described, this ending of, of, of the division and hostility, et cetera, et cetera. Now, again, this is an ideal until he comes back, which is another aside, I believe, is sooner than later, based on what I'm looking at in the world. But, well, that's for another sermon. But certainly until Jesus comes back, we're probably not going to experience this ideal of all people coming into his kingdom. But it's certainly God, it is God's solution and put, to put an end to the hostilities and divisions. And if everyone's operating out of this biblical worldview, would, we wouldn't have to be battling these other worldviews. Um, so if that's the goal. That's the ideal. And that's what we want to strive for and partner with God in his purpose. So how do we do that? And I'm going to shift gears here to how, how do we do that? How can we participate in God's purpose and plan to end this hostility through through bringing all people into the kingdom of God, into his body, the church? Well, the first the, the, the first way to do that, which is my second point this morning, is that we want to we need to each person individually walk in peace in Christ ourselves. You need to walk in peace in the peace of Christ yourself. You can't offer to anybody else. You can't take to anybody else. You can't bring to anybody else. You can't share with anybody else that which you do not have yourself. So if you want to bring an end to hostility, you want to first make sure that you every day, one day at a time, are living in the peace of Christ yourself. And let me go back to verse 14. This is this is a powerful uh, few words here. Beginning of verse 14, it says, for he himself is our peace. I'm just let's just sit on that for a second. He are, he himself is our peace. Not anything else. Not the church, you know, operating perfectly, not having any problems, or uh, not, um, you know. Again, I'm, I think government has important ways to solve problems, and we and, and we that should matter to us, and we should be engaged and involved. Um, but it's not uh, government solutions are going to be bring, be our peace. It's He Himself. It's Jesus Himself is our peace. It's walking with Him. It's doing life with Him. It's knowing Him. It's it's. Uh, well, enjoying life with him one day at a time is how you know your peace, is how you have peace and not having hostility with others. So let me ask you this morning, how is your peace? How is your peace? 
Are you walking in peace through Christ in, in this world? Or are you stressed up, locked up, worried and frustrated? And again, there's lots of things to be upset about. Don't get me wrong. But that doesn't mean that we can't have peace in our souls as we engage in a broken world. Because he himself is our peace. So how is your peace? How is your relationship with God? I want to turn to a familiar passage um, that that has been super helpful for me in the last several years. And again, not going to be an unfamiliar passage to most of you, which is Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, which says, uh, so if, again, if you're wearied and burdened and stressed out and not at peace, he says, Jesus says this to us, come to me. Remember, he says he himself is our peace. Jesus, Jesus has come to me himself. All you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. And I'll point you where to get rest. And I'll, I'll I'll give you some tips. It's come to me and I because he is our peace will give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. A couple of years ago, I got turned on to um, a theologian named Dallas Willard, which some of you probably heard of. A uh, mentor of mine just kept saying, well, Dallas Willard said this and Dallas Willard said this. And I, I re- really respected this mentor. And I finally said, well, tell me more about this guy you keep quoting. And he says, well, I'll just point you to his material. So I, I, I listened to a bunch of his teachings. At any rate, he taught on this on this passage at one point. And it was so helpful to me because, I, frankly, I never understood the whole yoking thing. Because I just never grew up on a farm. I don't understand those things. I kind of, have the, you know, the imagery because you grow up in church, you hear this passage. And, but I didn't really understand it. Well, he described it this way um, is that because he says he grew up on he grew up on a farm and he'd watch this all the time. What would happen is there'd be a, a, a new horse that was brought in, you know, onto the farm and that new horse would be yoked to an older horse. And so put, you know, what a yoke is and put on together where they're connected through this bar um, so that the new horse is yoked, connected to the older horse. And he said every time it would inevitably what would happen was that you would have. Um, I'm going to come out here so I can be a little more dramatic. So you had um, so you had the uh, the 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 younger horse uh, with all its um, uh, energy would would run and pull and pull and just sort of just try to just go, 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 go. And the older horse would just go. Nope, we're just going to walk. We're just going to. We're not doing that, not doing that. And the, the younger horse would just pull and he's finally wear itself out and just be all oh, weird. And so it would it would drag back and it would start going slow and tired and just this is too much. And the older horse is like, no, we're not doing that either. We're just going to walk steady, just going to do it. And so eventually over time, that younger horse would learn, hey, if I just walk and step with that other horse, it's going to go really well for me. It's going to work. It's, it's, we're, it's what needs to get done is going to get done if I just walk and step with the other horse. And they would learn from the other horse how it works. Well, that's exactly what, what this describes and what it's talking about. Come to me, Jesus says, come to me, be yoked to me and learn from me. And in, in learning from me and walking with me and learning not how to run ahead and do it on your own and be all stressed out or not. Oh, it's never going to be better. Everything's bad. And it's never. Oh, you know, the, oh, it's doom and gloom. No, just walk with me. Do life with me. Learn from me. And as we do this thing called life together, which is the kingdom of God, then you'll have peace and you'll have rest for your soul because he himself is our peace. 
So how are you doing at walking in peace in Christ yourself? You pulling ahead, you pulling behind, or are you just walking in step and learning from him? And then, so that's what we need. We need to do that ourselves so that we can offer that to other people. And the last point um, I, I, I want to make is how do we, again, how do we partner in God and God's purpose to end hostilities? Well, the obvious answer is we need to be a part of helping other people come into his kingdom. And other people come to be saved by grace through faith alone and come into that right relationship. We filled with the same spirit so they can be in the one body, the church, uh, with us. And that's called evangelism, which none of us really love, but it's what we're called to do. And so so my third point is that we need to work for peace, work for for peace, for that ending of hostility, one soul at a time, one soul at a time. Uh, and I'm, I'm, I try to be a, a how-to preacher, not so much an ought-to preacher, meaning I, I, rather than just sit here and close the sermon with, you ought to go do evangelism, because we all know we're supposed to anyway. I, I want to close with, a here, here's some, 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 from this passage, some how-to, maybe some practical ideas that may be helpful to you actually doing evangelism. And again, I'm sorry I didn't ask about my time limits, but my past experience with All Souls has been you've not been... Um, it's longer sermons are not unusual, so I'll, I, I'll, I won't apologize too much if I'm going long. Other places, I'd be getting stared down pretty badly uh, at a certain point. But, but I'm going to assume you're okay if I go a little bit longer. But, but so, so, um, so let me just so a practical thing real quick here in terms of how do we work for peace once all the time so that we can at least do our part to help end hostilities between people. Well, very insightful verse in uh, this passage in Ephesians, verse 17, where it says this. It says, Jesus, he came to preach peace to those who are far away and peace to those who are near. This points out to us that some people are far from God and some people are near to God. And that's helpful to know if you're trying to share, if you're trying to preach peace, if you're trying to share the good news with the son salvation with somebody, it's helpful to know, are they far away or are they near? Because how you approach them will be differently, different. And we're to do do our lives. And in, in John 20, 21, Jesus says, as the father sent me, so I send you as he did it. We're called to do it. And he says, if he, pre- if he came and preached peace for those who are far away and near, we're to preach peace to those who are far away and near. So, so the important thing here in the, in the sort of the practical tip here for evangelism is, is when you identify a person that you're trying to share the gospel with, you know, somebody in your life who doesn't know Jesus, who's not at peace with God, who's not in his kingdom, who needs to be saved by grace through faith. If you identify this person is someone God's put on my heart to work on, so to speak, with evangelism. Um, then you first thing you want to do is you want to identify how receptive they are to the message of the good news. Are they far away or are they near? Because if someone's like far away and hostile to the good news and be like, I don't believe in God. I don't believe in Christianity. Christianity is all bad. Church is evil. Uh, Look at all the bad stuff that God, you know, churches. I mean, I I mean, hostile to the whole thing. Well, that doesn't mean that they don't need to be saved by grace through faith. It just means they're far away and hostile. So how would you approach someone who's there far away is going to be different from if you have somebody who's like, I, I'm really curious about this thing called Christianity. My life's a mess and I'm just kind of I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And you seem to have hope in your life and 
could you tell me about this person of Jesus that you seem to have a relationship with? Well, that's a different thing. If that person is there near, how you approach that person is going to be different. You see what I'm saying? So you want to assess what their receptivity level is. And once you know their receptivity level, you can develop an appropriate approach. Uh, when I, a long time ago, when I lived in Texas for a few years after seminary and uh, church out there, I had a neighbor who was very, very far from God. He was hostile to, to Christianity um, and openly so. And I was a pre- new priest. I'm wearing my collar everywhere, you know, mowing the lawn in the collar because I'm so proud of being a priest. Right. But but he's um, he uh, now I don't wear it unless I have to. But that's 20 something years later. At any rate, the point is he um, so but but he's doing his but he was hostile. But here's the thing. I didn't have a beard back then. And without a beard, I look an awful lot like Jeff Gordon, the NASCAR driver. I mean, it's, it's uncanny how much I look like him. But anyway, but this, so my neighbor is a big NASCAR fan. So he just kept saying, oh, you look like Jeff Gordon. You look like Jeff Gordon. So I don't know anything about NASCAR other than the fact that I look, apparently look like Jeff Gordon. But I used that as a connecting point. So I started talking about, about NASCAR with him because I don't know what else to talk about. Him. He doesn't want to talk about God. So over time, we're talking NASCAR for a while, and then he loses his job, and he says, hey, you know, I lost my job in conversation. And so at that point, so, okay, well, that's an interesting uh, shift here. So, well, you mind if I pray for you about that? Well, you know, I guess so, sure, you know. No, most people don't deny being prayed for. And then, and, then, and then, lo and behold, he got a job right away. Now, he, this didn't, as far as I know, this didn't lead him to coming to Christ immediately. I don't know. I, I think he moved, my memory serves, he moved away and I lost track of him. But I don't know. But here's what I know. As I know, in that moment, he went from there's, I don't know, God, you know, to, to, huh, this guy prayed for me and then I got a job right away. Maybe there's something to this. And so there's a thing called the angle scale. And I won't go too long on this, but there's a, if you can Google it, look it up. Angle, this guy named Angle came up with a scale, which kind of listed people as a negative 10, far from God, or a negative one, they're about to accept Christ. And, and so if you see someone who's like a negative 10, which like I would say this neighbor of mine was like a negative 10 or 9, he was far. But, but if you, successful evangelism can be just moving someone a little closer to that decision. And so I felt like I did successful evangelism because I moved him from maybe a negative nine to a negative eight where he's maybe going, well, maybe there's something to this. Where then hopefully by now, years later, someone else came along and moved him from a negative eight to a negative four. And then hopefully someone by now has led him to Jesus and he knows him as a savior. I don't know. But you see what I'm saying? So if you're, if you're able to move someone through the way you approach them closer to the decision, then that's successful. And when sometimes you're going to be in a, in a relationship with someone where they're really close and you can, when you discern that, then you can be the one that says, hey, would you like to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior? Last summer, um, uh, I, uh, I was kind of frustrated, as some, maybe some of you were, where because I was I'm white, male, evangelical Christian who lives in the South, I was being regularly accused of being a racist. And it was just frustrating to me. I'm like, I'm not a racist, but apparently I am because I'm a white male living an evangelical Christian living in the South. It's very frustrating. So kind of my, my response to that, other than being frustrated and trying to keep peace in the Lord, in the Lord myself, was I had an opportunity to volunteer as a mentor at um, Edward Waters College, which is an historically black college. And I just wanted to, for myself, be like, you know what, I, I need to prove at least if no one else ever knows, I'm not a racist. And so, so I engaged in a mentor relationship with the student there. And um, the student asked if I could be the mentor. We were sort of several of us. And so in the first meeting, I said, well, why did you ask for me to be the mentor? And they knew uh, she knew I was a pastor. It was all over the phone. And she said, um, she said, well, because I was hoping you could help me uh, know God better. I thought, ooh, 
well, this is something I can do. Like, I wasn't sure how this was going to go, but I'm like, so I'm, I'm immediately discerned. So I, uh, there's, she's interested in God. Obviously, I was like, great, so let's talk about it. But the way she asked the question, I want you to help me know God better, I wrongly discerned or assessed that she is already a believer and on the on the, the plus side of things. And what she needed was discipling. She knew God, but she needed to know him better. So I started engaging her on reading the Bible and prayer life and things like that. So by the third call, I realized she's not doing any of the things that we're talking about. She's not reading the Bible. She's not praying. She's not doing um, uh, any of the things that would help her know God better. So I finally said, what, what's, what's the hang up? What's, what are you hesitating about? And she says, well, I'm, she says, I'm afraid if I really get to know God, uh, then my life's going to change and I'll lose my friends. I said, oh, I, you know, internally, I thought I wrongly assessed the situation. So I said, maybe she was at a negative one and, and, uh, and she was asking. So I said, well, let me just ask you, have you ever asked Christ to be your savior? Because if you don't have the relationship, it's going to be hard to know him better. So let's start with there. And she says, well, I grew up in the church. I was baptized. My grandma kind of made me go. And, you know, and she was baptized. She said, all I really remember was the water was cold and it didn't really mean much to me. Right. So I said, OK. So I said, well, if you love, you know, explain the gospel to her, if you'd like to pray this prayer. And she said, I would. And I was able to lead her to uh, to a personal relationship with Christ, entered into the kingdom. And then we were able to help her in the discipleship and the growth. Um, but I'm just saying, but you, but assessing you got to assessing where someone is determines the approach. And, and you, you can do this. And that was all over the phone, by the way. I never even met her. Uh, so he's oh COVID. I can't do anything. Oh, why not? There's who knows how God can do things. OK, I'm going to stop. How um, how is let me close with this. God's God's plan to end hostility is through Jesus Christ alone. And that all people were made by God, created by God, separated by sin. There are none that are righteous. We're all equally saved by grace through faith. Uh, and if everyone is into the kingdom of God, uh, they would bring eventually the end of hostilities. And our part is to know that ourselves, to walk in that peace. So how is that going? And then how can you identify and help other people uh, work towards other people coming into that peace as well? Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would help um, each one of us um, not only know uh, your plan, uh, the establishment of your kingdom through Jesus Christ, but also walk in it ourselves, experience it on a day to day basis that we'd have something to share with others and that we would that you would work through us, whether someone's far or near, uh, that you would use us to help them to come to know you as Lord and Savior as well. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. And we're now going to go into a time of prayer and uh, continue to pray. Uh, I'd like to invite the person who's leading us in prayers to come forward and do that for us.